If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how you can spot a scam. And joining me today is Rob Doctors. He is the author of Ethics and Hidden Greed. So, Rob, I would say that being scammed, part of it is a lot of people may have some greed and think, ooh, this might be a good way for me to make some money when, in fact, they lose their money. Well, they, it's clear that if someone is strictly scrupulous, it's much harder to scam them. The point of the book, though, is that it's hard to do this intuitively anymore. I mean, there was a time, greed, if you buy this car for me, you'll get untold riches or something. They would say, no, it doesn't smell right. But sometimes it's very subtle these days. An example, a uh, consumer example is people were concerned because the tuna industry with their nets was scooping up dolphins and drowning them in the process. So there was a lobby and it said that tuna's fishing at certain standards. If you met it, you got a little circle or circular picture on your tuna can saying dolphin safe. Well, that was then. This is now. So, for instance, if you see a black and white thing, that means that isn't the old standards that apply. It's some new ones that the tuna lobby got put in. That's hard to tell intuitively, but it's still a scam. All right. So these are things we may have to research if we have that ethical feeling about what we want to purchase. Right. Okay. That's why AI could become a very powerful tool for scammers. Because it's able to look over the entire profile of a person and then will tell you, no, Heather didn't go to a mall, but, you know, maybe she went to a baseball game. And that's where I'll tell her she won this. So AI is very good at skimming across a lot of data and putting together a profile of the target. And that's why a couple of years ago, about 29,000 Facebook customers were scammed because somebody was able to figure out what they have been doing on Facebook. Really? Okay. Well, that is a little scary. How does somebody figure out that their information has been dragged through, essentially, to come up with a profile that a scammer can use to then target that person specifically? Because most of the scams I've come across, somebody's just doing blanket calling. Like, they just they just dial phone numbers. They don't know who's on the other end. They don't care. They just are trying to get your money. But if these AI things are compiling personal data and then using that personally against you, that's that's kind of scary. It could be very effective. That being said, you know, there, there are certain patterns, certain fingerprints that a lot of scams leave. So, you know, at a minimum, I would suggest everyone should know there's only five strategies greed has. And if you don't know those five, you may not notice one that knocks on your door. I'm writing this down. Five strategies of greed. Right. I'm assuming this is, is this greed for the scammer or is this greed for the person who's being scammed? It is the scammer. Okay. So if we know what the scammer is after, we, we can now better identify it. So can you go over what these five strategies of greed... Sure. And just to be clear, greed has always been with us. So I'll talk about the basics and then I'll move to how it's evolved. 
because I believe greed has evolved to become a smarter critter than it used to be. Okay. So the first one in the old days, it was there too, is bullying. So we see that all the time, people bullying the weak. Um, the next president who did a little bit of that also. Um, the second thing is misrepresentation. And that's good old fashioned lying. Um, and that's the that's ancient and it's still with us. The third, which begins the evolution of greed, is what I call hooking. So it's basically where it's a little bit, you say, all right, this is the deal. It's a great deal. You, we'll sell you this car for $10,000 or whatever. You buy it and then you discover, hey, it didn't have a warranty. It didn't have a radio, et cetera. So in the course of that dialogue, you go back to the person who sold you the car, say, hey, I need this. And then they will sell you that add-on, the thing you missed in your initial inventory of what you were buying, probably for a premium. Right. Good industrial example is there's a leading tax software company. And they found that their competitor was doing exactly that. They were selling packages of software to do taxes with. But they were missing something called archival capability. So you couldn't look back at what that person had done the previous year or the previous year of that. And that's fatal. So they all the tax adjusters had to go back to the software company and say, hi, I need the archival ability. And that software company sold it to them at a premium. So okay. that's what I call hooking. Because you needed it, you bought it. And then you discover there was more to be done. Timing is what matters. It's interesting. There was a cover story on Fortune a little while ago, and it said the newest billionaire. And what that billionaire did was he came up with the following, which was he targeted builders and gave them the ability with a quick dial-in checkup to lend homeowners money. So what the builder would do is come in, they'd tell you about you know what you could do for your house. Oh boy, a new kitchen salivates the homeowner. <laughs> but we can't afford that. No problem, says the builder. I'll get you a loan. What he doesn't tell you and what nobody checks at the time is what the terms of the loan are. And there's a whole bunch of hooks in that loan, one of which there's no interest for the first six months. But if you miss the first payment after the six months, very big penalties and you owe all six months again. And it's really not a good thing to do. And apparently a lot of people do miss that first payment. Yeah. So it's hard, especially because your house may not even be built within six months with the kitchen that you got the loan. Yeah, I can see that. That's hooking. That's number three. What's number four? Embedding. And the idea here is that you put in something that the buyer doesn't realize they're getting that's an advocate for buying more. I first got the idea of this, and then it found out it applied to a lot of industries in the executive recruiting industry. And what they do is, if you get called, hi, we need a president or some senior person, they say, okay, and they look around at candidates, and they never, never propose a candidate over, say, 55. Not only is that illegal, but it's also a very conniving plan, because what happens is with executive recruiters is once they put in a president, usually the president says, oh, 
I'd like to have a vice president. I'd like to have a CFO, whatever. And then you usually go back to the head funding firm that put them in. The trouble is, if it's a president who's like 63, he's going to retire in a few years. So the gravy train for the executive recruiter comes to an end once that person retires. So regardless of merits, the older person will not be nominated to the search committee. A more prosaic consumer example is when builders build a house, what they do is they deliberately put in some easy to correct mistakes. Apparently a favorite one is having the windowsill slightly off center. So the new homeowner and person who chartered the builder walks through the building and he goes, ah, that window is off center. And he feels good because he's caught a mistake and that was the purpose of his walkthrough. And he doesn't apparently look as carefully for the rest of the trip. Apparently it's very easy to adjust whether or not a windowsill is horizontal. So the builder's got a really easy fix. He avoided the really expensive things the homeowner could have dug into. And mm. that's what I call embedding. In this case, embedded a mistake. It's like the shiny object. You get distracted by the shiny object. Exactly. I think that's actually a better name for it. The shiny object strategy. <laughs> All right. And what's number five? It's stealing the language. And that's actually become more important most recently. An example of this is if you walk into a supermarket and you see suntan lotion and then separately from the label suntan lotion, you'll see some other things that are like help you with the sun. The, the suntan lotions will always be more expensive and that's because they have a monopoly. The FDA rules with a lot of lobbying from the incumbents that if you want to call yourself suntan lotion, you can only have five ingredients. That happens to be the five ingredients that the existing suntan lotion people have patented. So the only way you get that label is you happen to be an incumbent. So all the new people come up with new things. And by the way, the European Union allows 22 different flavors of suntan lotion. Okay. But here, if you don't have those five, you don't get to use the word. And it turns out you get to charge more because everyone looks for that word. Suntan lotion. Oh, okay. So I could get a product that does exactly the same thing as a quote unquote suntan lotion. But if I get the thing that's called suntan lotion, it will cost me a lot more. Right. The name. Wow. Okay. So how do we as consumers, because a lot of this is dealing with companies being unethical in, in what they're doing. So how do we as customers work our way through this minefield? Well, I think you said the word, which is you have to do a little bit of research. So unfortunately, with a corporate fraud artist, some of the cues you get with people doesn't, don't exist. Just to say it, if you're negotiating with someone over something, the way you can tell whether they are greedy or not, whether they're going to deceive you, whether they're going to use one of those five tactics that prevent people from um, being fraudulent is one, people who have gratitude usually are not fraudulent, usually are not greedy. The second thing, the second attribute they have is a sense of humor. And by the way, this isn't me coming up with that. This, this is a longstanding thought. Part of my book was based on a gentleman who published a book in 
1669. <laughs> so not recently. He was a Cambridge University professor in England, and he spent most of his life thinking about what ethics were. And while he was at it, he also noticed, hey, people were not ethical, no sense of humor. And, really? Uh, no attitude. Yeah. Wow. They never learned that along the way or... All of a sudden, I'm just like psychology. Like, this is really fascinating. I would think that people who are trying to get something from you would use anything that they could to do it. And one of those things is humor. Like, people just feel better and they relax more when they laugh. And scammers or unethical people haven't learned that yet? Well, the answer is in 400 years, apparently not everyone has learned it. And further, there's a difference between... You know, we, we have all met people who are manipulative. And if they have to use humor, which they pull out of the recesses of their heart, they will use that. But it's not genuine. And the gratitude is not genuine. So that's the part you have to just be very careful of. I mean, just to say it, if you said psychology of, of this. There's a pretty clear answer also that greed is related to a sense of entitlement. The people who feel entitled are the ones who are willing to use deceit and greed. And there's a wonderful study, by the way, that looked at this. And what they did was they took two groups of people, wealthy people and not so wealthy people, and they arranged for a, uh, a focus group. But in the waiting room, there was a giant jar of candy. And as the facilitator you know, left the room, he said, by the way, this candy is for some kids that are coming later on. So only take one, please. Well, it turns out all of the theft of taking more than one was by the wealthy, not the poorer. Wow. And it's, it's, it's sad. You know, the Bible has an expression, which is it is harder for a rich man to go to heaven than a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The point is, it's long been recognized there's a reason why people are wealthy and there's an attitude of attitudes that made them wealthy. And we have that with celebrities today. Martha Stewart, the homemaker, was already a billionaire when in order to make an extra 100000 which is like a lot for me and maybe for you, <laughs> right. uh, she was willing to cheat. Yeah. So billionaire or not, they caught her and she went to jail. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what are some of the commonalities that like, if I was to become a victim of the greedy, what personality trait or commonality do I have with everybody else who's been taken in? Well, the sad news is that this is just like wild animals. They pick the weak. They pick the disadvantaged. So that's why, for instance, I'm sorry to say, women have been victims for thousands of years. They tend to be physically less strong and they are often more forgiving and accommodating than men. So if you are in a weak position, be it because of gender, race, whatever, or just lack of education or whatever, you are more likely to be a victim. And, you know, there's lots of examples. But the other thing that you need to be careful about is the greedy like pack hunting. Very rarely is there one greedy person who pulls off significant greedy things. Yeah. It is always a network. So, for instance, 
if you were Mr. Weinstein and you were basically reprehensibly seducing young women, it's because you know that you control some of the avenues of her career. And it's because there is a network of people, apparently, who were protecting him. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of pack hunting, not individual. Yeah, that just takes me about five other places, too. <laughs> okay, so what is it I, that we can do to arm ourselves against, even if we're in sort of what we might consider a weaker class? What can we do more as a consumer-wise to protect ourselves against scammers? Well, there's two things we can do. Um, one of them is uh, we have to just be careful about what we do when it's not prudent and conservative. So in other words, if you agree to getting a loan from this guy while you're building your house, don't sign it without reading it. I mean, it sounds really stupid and it is boring looking through long contracts, but you've got to do it. It's as simple as that. So it's a degree of care on the part of the individual. It is, as you say, not everyone has it, but sniffing out the the, the things that just aren't right about this. Also, at a societal level, however, there's quite a bit we can do to block greed. That happens, interestingly enough, because of the limitations of the legal system. It is hard, for instance, if somebody writes bad software, let's say artificial intelligence software, and it goes off and it does bad things, it's really hard to bring that back to the programmer. Whoever sold the software may be a bunch of people, but not the programmer. And, you know, this this applies again and again. It's interesting in, in terms of games like video games, there's all kinds of evidence that people who play video games, which are, tend to be violent, those people, the kids really, <laughs> go out and they do violent or illegal things. They can't touch the programmer. Guy who actually, gal who actually created this isn't readily addressable by the legal system. And that's something we as a society should change. People should be responsible for their actions. Any other hints as we wrap things up or tips that you have for people? Well, the one thing I would alert people is, and I certainly thought about it that way before I wrote the book, is they think that greed is like an individual fish and it tries to bite you or something. No, it's a war. There's a pack of fish. They will try to kill you. And if you fight back, they will fight back with you. So for instance, a few years ago, somebody broke into the White House computers. Bad people did. And so the security people came in, they neutralized that program. And then within seconds, they were back with another program. They neutralized that. And as the guy who was in charge of that particular effort said, it was hand-to-hand combat. So I'm sorry to tell you two things to watch are, one, careful for that pack of fish that are starting to maneuver towards you. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you're in a fight and don't expect them to roll over and play dead. Yeah, I do know to go along with that, this is not so much on the corporate level, but people who do wind up getting scammed individually, you know, you get the phone call, oh, I'm with Norton Security, and we've noticed some suspicious activity on your computer, and the person, usually they're elderly, 
goes, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, here's access to my computer. They wind up getting taken for thousands of dollars. And a week later, somebody else is calling them saying the same thing. And it's a different person because they learn, like you said, there's this network and there's a whole society. If you get scammed once, the word goes out. Sad, but true. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob Doctors, you are the author of Ethics and Hidden Greed. Where can people pick that up? Any bookstore, you can order it. You can go to Amazon, order it directly. So the answer is uh, it will get full distribution. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rob Doctors, for your time and helping us walk through a little bit of a minefield about greed. Mostly it's on the corporate side. Thank you so much for having a conversation with me. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.